Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Sabrina Horn is an award-winning CEO, communications expert, advisor, and author. She is currently CEO of Horn Strategy, a consultancy focused on helping entrepreneurs and CEOs navigate the early stages of their businesses. She serves as an advisor and board member for a number of organizations and is a frequent speaker at industry forums and leadership conferences. Her new book, Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success, aims to help executives make the right decisions as they start and grow their businesses for long-term success. As a young executive, Sabrina learned about leadership on the job through two lenses, one as the CEO growing and running her own firm, and the other as a strategic advisor guiding her clients through their own unique business challenges two important lenses that somebody can interact with in the business world. So Sabrina, welcome to our podcast today. Oh, hi, Ed. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled to talk with you today and also hear a little bit more about some of the thoughts and lessons that you're attempting to share with the world in your new book. And before we get there, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself for our listeners, you know, what you have done in the past and what you're currently doing today. Sure. Um, That's a a good place to start, I suppose. Uh, I'm um, really a career PR communications professional um, from Silicon Valley and, um, you know, spent my career in in Silicon Valley helping literally thousands of executives and their and their companies um, establish their brands in, in tech. And, um, so (laughs) that's kind of a unique perspective, I suppose, to be writing a book about integrity and authenticity. Uh, 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 but I felt that the, the stories that I had to share of learning how to be a leader on, on the job, as you said, but you know, public relations, which is known for quote unquote spin and certainly Silicon Valley, which has its share of spin stories, um, wanted to kind of uh, make the point that integrity matters and to help other executives and entrepreneurs um, uh, shoot a straighter arrow and and avoid making those those mistakes um, that can really sabotage success. 
Well, integrity is such a key word when we think about bravery at work, because oftentimes you need integrity in order to say something that needs to be said or do something that needs to be done that might be hard to do. Nobody is saying being brave is easy. It's not like something everybody else is doing except you, but it is something that we could all do a little bit better and a little bit more effectively. And if you could tell us a little bit more about you know, the ways you're defining and thinking about authenticity and integrity as it pertains to the business world, mm-hmm. I think our listeners would love to hear that. Well, I, I mean, you're so right that, you know, being brave um, is can be very difficult because you have to deal with difficult situations. And I mean, that's the bottom line of my book, right? That the reason why people fake it is because facing reality and the harshness of the truth sometimes um, is extremely difficult, right? I don't, I don't know too many executives who relish the thought of having to admit a mistake, do a product recall, or do a layoff because the company didn't make its targets, right? And and so, uh, running your business with integrity um, is, is very difficult, and that's why why. Uh, I wrote this book, right? Because it's, it's why we're tempted to to fake it and go down the wrong path. Um, leading with authenticity is something that begins in your business plan. It begins with your core values. It infuses your culture and every business process that you have. Um, but still, as we know, a company can stray from that and and make mistakes that are very regrettable. Well, I think when we think about leaders who run organizations and, you know, quote unquote, senior leaders in organizations, there is this perception, which I think is inaccurate, but this perception that they are perfect or know everything or don't want to hear advice from others. And why do you think, and if you have done research or in the conversations that you have had with clients, why do you think people do fake it? Because most of us do fake it. We put up with behavior or situations that aggravate us in the moment, and yet we don't take positive, respectful steps to do something about it. Yeah. So um, there are there are many reasons why people fake it. Um, in my book, I, I came up with something called the fakeometer, fakeometer. <laughs> and <laughs> it's um, it, it ranges from the innocent ways that a person just does like acting as if to emulate the behaviors they wish they could exude, to be more confident, to dress for success, you know, to visualize. Like these are all innocent forms of helping oneself. Where you cross the line um, uh, is when you do and say things at other people's expense for personal gain. So exaggerating the truth about what your product can or can't do minimizing the reality of a situation because you ah, don't really want to quite admit that maybe you made a mistake. Um, Selective truth telling, which is very dangerous uh, where you're telling the truth, but leaving out certain facts um, all the way to, you know, jail time (laughs) where you have total outright fraud and, and, and deception, uh, which is what Elizabeth Holmes is, is facing at the moment. The, former CEO of Theranos. So, so, so a CEO will, will fake it because he or she is under tremendous pressure to make a number or to, to get the deal, right? Sometimes we fake it, not because, and we're not lying. We fake it because we're just totally and completely 
overwhelmed. Uh, and so we just make something up and, and live live to regret it later. What what actually is so powerful is the notion of humility, right? And just it's okay to not know everything. And just because you have those three letters after your name doesn't mean you have to have all the answers all the time. It's okay to say, well, that's a really interesting uh, a situation that you're proposing, tell me more. Or I, I don't know about that. P please j tell me what you're thinking so that I can learn. And and that humility as a, coming from a leader levels the playing field for the whole company and creates a, a culture of learning and collaboration. Well, I love this part of our conversation, Sabrina, because I think this is a core question that is out there. And, you know, people aren't asking this question in conversations, but I think the question is, you know, why do we choose to fake something and take all of the burden and issues associated with that rather than do something simple like you're suggesting, which is saying something or bringing something to somebody's attention, always respectfully, always under the premise of helping them, not hurting them or judging them or belittling them, but, you know, helping them. You know, why do we choose to not take steps that make us a better leader? versus taking a step that diminishes our leaderhood, causes us to fake it, causes us to remember what we're faking, because people say that's one of the challenges with not being honest or faking is you have to remember what it was you're doing so you don't, you know, double talk yourself. You know, uh, and I'm not suggesting you have the answer, but, you know, any thoughts on beyond what you had just talked about, why we choose this more challenging and uh, troublesome path versus being honest, respectful, and direct with our colleagues in ways that can help them? Well, I suppose it, because you have to be brave. <laughs> and you, <laughs> and you, you have to be brave. And, um, you know, it, it's thousands of years of, of what we know, what we think of in terms of leadership and this sort of hierarchical, autocratic, kind of modality where we have to have all the answers and that admitting that you don't know everything shows your weakness and um, might diminish your power and authority. And that that's extremely difficult to break through that and to do it in a way that doesn't admit, like, you know, this isn't about being self-deprecating all the time. This, this is about being authentic and honest, but still, showing that you that that you have authority to to move things forward um it's very difficult for some people to to do that are ingrained in that this sort of more hierarchical type of leadership style and i will dare say that i you know i w was a prisoner of that myself i was a 29 year old woman when i started my company i had no leadership training or management experience i, I probably managed an intern I mean, I had, you know, no, no basis for, for knowing how to navigate difficult situations. And I just felt like everybody, you know, believed I had to have that, the answers um, until I got caught. And then I thought, you know what, life's too short. I'm just going to be honest and say, like, you know, no, I don't understand this. Please tell me more. Um, so I guess I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I would say try it. You might like it. <laughs> I I think baby steps and practice are a very effective way to get better at something that you're not 
good at today. Sabrina, you mentioned a couple of things I want to go back on. One is this model I think we have created uh, uh, clearly in the United States, and I think this is true probably globally, that as a leader, you associate power with knowing everything. And you don't want to ever admit you don't know something or you're not as clear on something as you'd like to be. And hence, I'm not comfortable coming to you and telling you that there's something you don't know or something that would be helpful for you to be better. And, you know, I don't think I ever attended a class that said to me, power is about knowing everything, but that's kind of what we have created culturally. And so there's this premise that a CEO of an organization knows everything. And, you know, and knows more than anyone. And as you go down the hierarchy, you know, people know less and less and less. And of course, you and I both know in working with senior leaders that that's not true. And they're human like everyone else. And they don't have all the answers and they don't know everything. And yet we find it hard to be brave with them because of this model that's been created, that there's a relationship between power and knowing it all. And that just sounds so troubling. Yes. Well, it. It is, it really is, um, uh, it's like a line in the sand, right? And if we could just all figure that out and get comfortable with that notion, the companies that are going to succeed in the next 10 to 20 years are going to be led by the people who who can get to that place, right? And it's... It's all going to be about flatter organizations where people feel empowered, where they um, feel like they can belong somewhere that identifies with their values. And there is a certain type of leader who has the empathy and the understanding of these human feelings, right, that will create that kind of environment. It is the exact opposite of, of what of that traditional view of leadership. And that leader is the person who, who can have those conversations and say, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened there, but here's how we're going to find out. And it, it's not enough to say, I want to be clear, right? It's not enough about saying, I don't know, and then just leaving it there, right? Mm-hmm. It is for the privilege of being a leader, you have, you have to find a path forward, we have to we have to follow a direction that is provided by a leader or a leadership team and so it is incumbent upon the leader to say here's the situation here's here's what we don't understand right and i'm talking about a crisis now right where here's here's what we're going to look at um here is what we're going to explore and in the next day or two or week we're going to come back to you with an assessment of where things stand. Uh, and here's the factors that we're looking at. And I find all too often, like especially in the last two years of this pandemic, nobody ever thought this would happen. Um, but but we, we're not prepared for crisis situations. And leaders today, I dare say, must hope for the best, but plan for the worst and always have contingency plans in their back pockets to to be able to lead confidently with humility and resilience and like just to get to the other side. Well, I think the lesson we're suggesting that our listeners think about is that your boss is not perfect and your boss needs help and they may or may not recognize it. They may or may not admit it, but they are not perfect and look for ways that you can share feedback with them helpfully, respectfully, in order to help them be better at what they do. 
The second point I wanted to go back on, and this is just really an observation as others have shared this as well, is that when we become a leader, we're expected to deal with conflict, have tough conversations, uh, say things that are hard to say to others, yet we've never had any training on it. We didn't have training in high school or college or graduate school. Maybe there was a course you could take here and there that might show you what to do. But it's interesting culturally as well that we expect things from a leader that we've never trained them how to do well. And I think all of our listeners would agree and say, yeah, that was me, that you know, on my first day I was told I had to terminate somebody and I'd never even done that before, right? So these are all things that are so hard to do. So Sabrina, I'm just wondering, uh, do you have a story that you would share with our listeners on a time where you did not show bravery and the impact that behavior had on you and your career? Well, um, how much time do you have? <laughs> we have at least a, a couple of hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, there are so many instances um, where I was not, not only was I not brave, I was afraid. And I wrote about one such example in my book, but I'll share it here. It was uh, around 2001 uh, when the internet bubble burst. And you may remember, you know, for the, the, the dot-com boom, when anybody with an online presence could presumably make a million dollars and take their company public. And it was the irrational exuberance, the period of irrational exuberance that Alan Greenspan wrote about and talked about. And I mean, here I am in the heart of it. My company was 10 years old and I had just built a beautiful brand. We were kind of the hot ticket in town. Uh, we had incredible clients. We were sought after. Companies would come to us and ask us to save them a slot uh, uh, for three months and offered stock. And I mean, it's crazy stuff, right? And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And so basically within a period of a month, it all started to unravel and every day a client would cut their fee or put the account on hold or in, in, in some cases, the companies literally went out of business overnight. Um, we chose to focus on the B2B enterprise software space, which um, was not hit as hard as the, the consumer.com side of, of the internet bubble, but yet it still reduced our business by, I would say, probably 30, 35%. And at the same time, I will share with your audience that I was eight months pregnant with my second daughter. And I just wanted the whole thing to go away. I thought, this can't be happening. I've worked so hard. This is just going to turn around. It's going to come back. This is, you know, the field of dreams. This is Silicon Valley. It's all going to be okay. I just didn't want to deal with it because I wanted to look forward to having a, a child. Uh, and it was um, about three weeks later uh, that one of my financial advisors came to me and said, Sabrina, you have a responsibility to protect the financial health of your business. And if you don't do a layoff, you're, you could lose your company because you're, you're leaking, you're bleeding business revenue by the day. And so I had to take stock of all that. And um, I had to, to do the layoff. I'd never done a layoff before. 
it's the worst thing you can possibly imagine to do. And of course, the people who I had to lay off felt worse than I did because they were the ones who had to go home to their families at night and tell them why Sabrina, you know, let go of them and why they no longer had an income from my company. But uh, I just didn't want to face that, you know, I didn't want to look reality in the face. And the consequences of that were that I had to make deeper cuts, right? Timing is was not on my side. In a, in a situation like that, you need to cut more and do it sooner rather than than later. And um, that was a, a huge mistake. Uh, and, it, you know, it was all happening in real time and it was happening so fast, but not looking reality in the face and being brave enough to like really see like, here's where the, the chips are going to fall, right? And you need to take action, right? If, if, I, if I had done that sooner, um, you know, I might have saved a few jobs or I, I might have um, preserved uh, my company a bit, a bit more and had less to rebound from. Well, it sounds as though the lesson for our listeners is that if you are in a challenging situation, if you face into it sooner and with maybe perhaps more open eyes, the outcome may not be as bad than just hoping it goes away and coming back later and doing something even worse. Yeah. Well, I guess at the end of the day, being a leader is one of the most selfless jobs that you can possibly have because it's not about you. It's always about everybody else. And in this case, I just wanted it all to go away. I stuck my head in the sand and I was being selfish because I was focused on wanting to become a mom for the second time. And of course, that's my right and it's you know human nature, but you still have that responsibility to everyone else to do what's in the best interest of the whole, not just the one. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners today. And it has been great speaking with you. And I wish you continued success in your career. And if folks would like to talk more about your practice or your thoughts about bravery, what's a great way they can get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, you can just go to my website, uh, www.sabrinahorn.com. Uh, and you can read all about uh, some of the other consulting services I offer there and content that I have on my website. You can also um, buy a copy of my book. Um, there are several links there. And, you know, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to me directly, my email is sabrina at sabrinahorn.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, of course, and on Twitter at sabrinahorn. Well, again, thank you so much, Sabrina. And as a reminder, your book is called Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business Success. Sabrina, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me at it. It was great talking with you. Fantastic talking with you as well. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcasts on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. 
And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.